All right, so there's this story uh, in, in the Old Testament, and it's, uh, there's this guy named Eli, and he's a priest, and he lives at the temple in Shiloh uh, in Israel, and uh, he's kind of in charge of a lot of things. And there's a boy, don't worry about the whole backstory, but it's been, he's been dedicated to, to temple service, so kind of being trained up one day. And, uh, and they live in this temple. And so the, the boy kind of uh, is more or less in the role of a servant uh, to the elder priest, doing what's needed, cleaning up, serving, things like that. So one night he's, he's lying in his bed, and the priest is on the other side, you know, in his own room. And, um, and he hears this voice, a boy's name is Samuel, hears this voice that says, Samuel. And he jumps up and he runs over to Eli, this is in 1 Samuel 3, and, uh, and he says, hey, what's, what do you need? You know, um, I heard you calling me. And Eli, this older priest, says, I, I didn't call you, I'm not sure what you're thinking, I'm not sure what you heard, go back to bed. Now I'm going to have a bad night of sleep and so are you and this is frustrating. And so he does it. Um, <laughs> And the parents are like, I feel that. Uh, so, so he goes back to bed, and the same thing happens a second time, and the whole scenario repeats itself. So he runs back, and he says, hey, I heard you calling me. And um, the priest says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Uh, and so the same thing happens a third time. This little boy hears this voice, Samuel. And he perks up, and he, and he has doesn't know what else to do, so he goes back to the priest again. And he says, probably a little bit anxious at this point, I, I, I'm sure I heard you calling. And at this point, the priest catches on, and he says, okay, there's nobody else here, so this is probably the voice of God. And, it, and we're told in this story that this is not a common occurrence anymore. <laughs> like, like, the word of the Lord had not come to people very often, very frequently at this time. Sometimes when we, when we read the scriptures, we think that these holy, miraculous, crazy moments are like every other week, you know? Because we forget that the, the scriptures were written over thousands of years, and so the stories were told, you know? We've got 400 years of silence between the final book that was written in the Old Testament and the stories of the New Testament. 400 years where we have no record of someone hearing some supernatural moment from God. Okay, that was just an aside. So anyways, this, this kid comes, and, um, and the priest catches on. And he says, I think this is the voice of God. The next time that you hear this, unless we missed our chance, because it's been three now. And, you know, there's a lot of things about three in the Bible, so maybe if you miss the third, there's no fourth coming. So he says, uh, the next time you hear it, here's what you're supposed to say. Here I am. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Okay? Now, this story over the years has been used. Oh, no, I was supposed to have that up there. Um, this story over the years has been used by, by many people, Jewish and Christian alike, to help, uh, help us realize that God actually does speak, but that God's voice is often hard to discern. Specifically, hard to discern between an old religious guy and the voice of God himself. Um, but, but God's voice is hard to discern, and there's no doubt that that is the core here. But there's also something about the nature of the response, you know, that, that in the midst of discernment, which is very difficult to know, when am I actually hearing God's voice, and what might God be saying to me about what to do, about what's, in, what's within me, about what's around me, um, that the discernment process, the faithful response, when we do 
think that maybe this is what we're hearing. The faithful response, once we understand it, is a, a willingness to listen and to make ourselves available. So we've been talking about growing in awareness for a few weeks. We've been calling it the art of noticing. And, um, and we've been talking about noticing who's around us two weeks ago, learning to look up a little bit more and notice what's happening on the periphery of our own lives, of our communities, of our societies, and taking notice and being people who include and invite in. And then secondly, last week we talked about the art of noticing what's within us, learning self-awareness in new ways, that, that God wants us to go deeper. As we go deeper with, with Jesus, we begin to see how we are wired, both in the ways that need change and transformation, but also in the ways that lead to like life, like I am made for this. So there's the whole like, ooh, this is, this is getting in the way of the life that Jesus intends. I need to stop or change this. That's some of the awareness that happens. And the other half of the awareness is, oh my goodness, God made me to do this. I need to start to, to change my life trajectory to involve the things that I am just formed for. Okay, so, so that's that. So this week is kind of the third week. So noticing what's, who's around us, noticing what's within us. And this week is noticing the spirit among us. But to be honest, that's been a part of the last two weeks. Like, right, right there as a part of it. Um, so, so the question today is, um, as we're going to actually do some discernment as a community here a little bit, um, about where God might be leading us in some, in some new directions, sometimes we need a whole, like, what are you going to do about it kind of a moment. Because we can get stuck in our heads. So the goal is to reflect on that question. Not just, am I noticing what the Spirit might be doing around me? But what am I maybe going to do in response? Instead of just thinking. Um, because our tendency sometimes is to go like, I mean, I was planning on just continuing to think about it. You know, this week, probably next. You know, I mean, just in, indefinitely, really. Uh, and so, so this, is, this is kind of what we prefer sometimes. So, that's the, that's the setup. So here's some, some tools, kind of some understandings uh, in the way of Jesus that, that just underlay who we're supposed to be and, and just this truth that, that, um, that God is inviting us to hear his voice, to become aware, and then to do something about it. Uh, in Mark 1, Jesus comes onto the scene, and, um, and we're, told, we're told this uh, as, as he's beginning to, to travel around. Um, after John was put in prison, this is, this is Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And here's what he says when he proclaims the good news of God. He says, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Okay? So, so take in that whole, that whole uh, two sentences or that whole sentence and a half. The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Now, the word for time, and <laughs> I was talking with somebody, I'm like, we've talked about this a lot, right? And they're like, I don't think we've talked about this ever and maybe it was five years ago since the last time we started talking about legit kairos stuff. But the word for time, when Jesus says the time is near, is the word kairos. Um, and for those of you who want to sound real smart, um, do you know what the other Greek word for time is? What, yeah, say it loud. Kronos. Yeah, kronos. Right. So, so there's two words, two words for time in Greek. One is chronos, where we get chronology. That is time that moves forward based on things like minutes, the movement of the sun. It is time that starts and stops. It's linear. 
makes sense. It's how we kind of figure out our days, all right? So chronos time is time that moves in a certain direction. Kairos is a totally different type of time. The, the, the best way that we, can do, that we can do it in English is to say that kairos is a pregnant time. It's, it's a loaded time. It's not about moving from, from point A to point B in, in a linear. Kairos is the kind of time that seems like something new is about to be birthed, and it makes time stand still. It makes chronos time stand still. So, so when, when Jesus says, uh, the time has come, he uses the word kairos. So God's kairos has come. The time of God meeting us is right here, right now. So pay attention, all right? So what, what often, and there's a whole number of traditions that, that use this, is we talk about kairos moments, moments in life where time stands still for just a second, moments that make you go, huh, just some small way. You walk out the door and the sun is rising and you go, that's incredible. Moments where you have um, a meaningful connection with a friend over coffee and you walk away and you say, wow, that was just, there was something about that that was just good. Moments where you have a discussion with a loved one and you walk away and something feels off. Moments um, where you look and you say, wow, that moment, that, things are going to change at this point on for some reason, good or bad. And kairos moments are moments where God's time intersects chronos time and we realize that God might want to speak something to us. God might want to, in some way to have us sit and reflect and according to the words of Jesus, be aware that the kingdom of God might be touching down on some way. So repent and believe means turn and trust in some new ways. And so, so even when Jesus was alerting to what he came for, we believe that the kingdom that Jesus inaugurated is something that keeps unfolding. It's, it's already here, but it's also not yet here fully. The already not yet kingdom is the phrase that we use sometimes. And so, so the idea is that God's kingdom is always nearby if we have eyes to see it. And that God wants moment by moment to speak to us in little ways and in big ways to help us move toward Jesus and follow his leading. And so, so if God wants to lead us deeper into the kingdom all the time, then we have to learn how to be expectant about it. We have to understand that God's Spirit is at work through all of our days, wanting to get our attention and turn us and to make us more aware. And then when we do, to trust the good news and live differently, to trust the good news of what the kingdom is all about, to trust the good news of what God is, is drawing us toward in our own unique context and based on who we are as people. And so, um, so now when, when we talk about things like um, becoming aware of the Spirit, when we talk about things like if the kingdom of God is near and we're supposed to turn to it, um, it begs the question of what sorts of things have we taught ourselves to look for in life? Like what sort of things have you taught yourself to take notice of? Just think about it for a little bit. I, I guess my, my question is, are you more apt to notice the, the things to be critical of or the things to be wowed by the beauty of. I, another way of putting this uh, that, that might... Now, uh, let me say this first. There's a time and place for both. And no doubt, sometimes when we notice what's broken and are fully aware of it, we are noticing it because God wants to use us, okay, 
to open our eyes to see what needs to be done. But that's not what I'm talking about. My, my the question that I'm talking about is, are you more skilled at noticing the devil at work around you or Jesus at work? Because I hear sometimes where the way people talk, the only thing that they're aware of is all of those bad people and all of the bad things and just how messed up everything is all the time. And while there's a time and place for that to move us to something else, um, are we able to see the beautiful when God is drawing us toward it as well? Are we able to see when God's kingdom is at hand? In the midst of tragedy, are we able to notice the, the, the fingers of the helpers that are beginning to look like Jesus and the work of Jesus in healing our world? Do we have that availability? Um, it's, it's important for us to notice that the fertile soil where things are growing and not simply the thorns that inhibit them all the time. We can be so aware of, of the wrong things that we don't have time to notice what God might be up to. Um, and it seems like Jesus, while there were times for harsh critique, Jesus spent a lot of time not talking about there's just so many lepers all over the place. He, he invited them in and he healed. He was going to spend his time being the healer. And so there's something beautiful about saying, what might God be doing around me that I can join into that's good and beautiful work and that addresses maybe some of the brokenness that you might see? So we, we learn to look for these kairos moments and listen to what God may want to be speaking. And, and when we do, we, we simply take a posture of saying, all right, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I'm ready to try to hear and to respond. Um, and, and the, the cool thing, the point of Jesus' declaration here in Mark, the time has come, the kingdom of God uh, has come near or is at hand. In some translations, repent and believe the good news. Look at what follows it in the next verse. All right? Uh, the, the point of Jesus' declaration is not simply about awareness. It's about, it's about action. Jesus walked, this is the next verse in, in Mark. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net. And he said, come, follow me. We talked about this verse a couple weeks ago. And I will send you out to fish for people. You know, come and join me. If you become aware that the kingdom of God is here, come and join me. I want to do something with you. I want to partner up. I want you to walk with me, learn from me. And so, so this idea of God making things aware in us, um, don't, it, it doesn't just, uh, just sit with that awareness. Awareness always, 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 always. Uh oh. Awareness always leads to action. Super simple, right? But in the kingdom of God, awareness always leads us to some sort of movement, to repentance. And repentance in the, in the scriptures just means to turning towards something new. All right. In a minute, I want to offer a few tools to help us identify the spirit at work around us. Um, but honestly, like I said, we've done that so much already over the last few weeks as we invite you to be thinking about where God was helping you notice new things and what we may be wanting to do with our sending grants, which I'm going to lead us back into in just a moment. Um, but before that, I want to talk about one whole element in this discernment process um, as we want to see and get involved with, with God working around us. So I love, love birds, um, irrationally so. It started about three years ago, maybe, something like that, maybe a little more, three and a half years ago. And I started to obsessively become aware that there was beauty that I was missing all around me. I started to realize that these little things, if you looked at them closer and in a magnified way, 
had all these brilliant colors and behaviors and patterns of coming and going in our world at different times of the year. So I got into birds. Now these are the weeks. We are in like the five weeks of the, the most beautiful migration system ever right now. So, so especially where we live, you know, just in, in a two-minute walk behind my house, we had over 30 species the other day. Um, so, so anyways, when I want to go and, and take notice of, and when I want to go and see birds, there's different ways it happens. Number one, sometimes I'll see something out of the corner of my eye, and it'll catch my interest, and I will follow it to get a better look with more clarity. Sometimes I will see a space out there, like a meadow, and think that seems like a good kind of space for birds to show up at. So I go there and I wait. And then other times I just sit wherever I'm at and I look around to see if there's something happening that I haven't seen before. In parking lots, in the middle of cities, and so sometimes you, you move after something because it catches your eye. Sometimes you go to a place where you just sense there's got to be movement. And then sometimes right where you're at, you look around. Okay? There is a very similar thing about understanding how the Spirit works with us. Sometimes there's something that draws us that we just, we, we get a glimpse and we say, I think God might be at work over here. I'm going to chase this lead. And then there's other times where we're like, I know God's at work somewhere in this community. So I'm going to show up there and start to look around because I know that there's needs. This is the kind of place that Jesus would be at. And then other places and other times in our lives, we say, all right, I just want to exactly where I'm at right now, learn better awareness. What am I missing? And I need to slow down and become more aware. And so the, the scriptures talk about the spirit as this like wild child of the Trinity. Okay, it, it blows where it will. Um, it's unpredictable, it's dynamic, it may lead in new directions. We're told sometimes, like in the missionary journeys of Paul, that he wanted to go somewhere, but the Spirit stopped him. I wish they would have explained what that looks like a little more. Like, I mean, like, how? Like, not, you know, the, our Anabaptist way of talking about it would be like, well, we just didn't have, like, a peace. Our, our, way, of, our way of talking about the Spirit is often very Jiminy Cricket-like. It's a very, it's, it's not just a still small voice, it is a very still, very small voice. And so it's your conscience most of the time. But I have a feeling that even though I love my, my spiritual heritage and tradition, the Holy Spirit's a little bit more um, outside the box than that. And so, so sometimes we see it and we chase it. Sometimes it comes to us. Sometimes we go where we sense it has to be and start looking around. But I just want to encourage you that there, okay, th this, is, this is what it all, this is all what it leads us to. Um, number one, during the spring, I've learned to constantly be aware that something is around me that's beautiful, that something is flying nearby. But, um, but as we think about the Spirit, as we think about the fact that the Spirit is unpredictable and that sometimes we have stories of new steps of faith that people take, not sure of what God's up to, and then God shows up, and sometimes we have stories of God showing up very clearly and inviting people in to things, um, there's just no formula for it. There's no formula for hearing God's voice. There's no magic bullet. There's no surefire way to make sure that what we feel drawn to is actually God or not. There's no manual. We only have stories of faithfulness and fellow travelers, and we have the heart that was required as they went. 
So noticing the Spirit is way more art than it is science. I mean, as far as I can figure out. Because if I was sure of exactly how to do all of these things, then we'd have all of our lives and our church direction and everything else figured out all the time. Um, and this all, this all makes us more uncomfortable that faith is, and discernment is more art than science. Why is that? What does it require? <laughs> it requires faith, right? Instead of simply knowledge. And so the reason that this makes us uncomfortable is that discernment requires faith and walking when we haven't figured out. That's why there's this one little word in the book of Acts that is so doggone fascinating to me. It's in chapter 15, and what's been happening is that the Jewish church is learning that God doesn't want it to be the Jewish church. <laughs> and there's these cool things where the Spirit is moving among the non-Jewish people. All right, Peter struggles against it. Even after Peter spent three years with Jesus, he still thinks that it is more or less impossible for Gentiles to become Christ followers unless they become Jews, okay? So even Peter thinks that, well, no, they're just outside of God's, you know, it's just the way it is. I sometimes am like, how, how did you live with Jesus and still get that? How hard-headed are you? And then I'm like, that's a real encouragement. Um, but so anyways, so this whole journey is happening and, and it finally becomes clear. People are receiving the Spirit in like dynamic, supernatural ways who are Gentiles. They're hearing words um, and visions and they're speaking to, to people like Peter and other disciples. And they're like, we can't deny that God's doing this. How else could we figure it out? And they want to follow Jesus with us. So what do we do? So there's this thing called the Jerusalem Council and they come together and they say, so what should we do about the fact that it seems like God is doing something in a new way among these Gentiles. Because their lives are so different than following Jewish law. So different. And so many of the Jesus movement was still very Jewish in its ways. And so in the midst of talking about this, they, they um, come up with what they think would be the most helpful way to move forward together. And they send a message back to um, the Gentiles. And here's... Um, Here's what they say. Let's see if this pops up. Sean, can you help me out? I'm not having a connection right now. Thanks. Here's what happens. They're talking about what to say to the Gentiles, and they write this back to be read as a message. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to not burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You're to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole context about that last paragraph, or the, the, or the last uh, two sentences, but the point was there were certain practices that were connected with temple worship that they realized that if there was anything like that, they would, these Gentile Christians would lose their witness, both to other Gentiles and to Jewish people. So they say, as best we can tell, we know your culture is going to be different, we know that you're going to do some things that maybe we're a little less comfortable with as Jewish people because we've got this culture that we grew up with and you grew up with a totally different culture. But let's agree on, on these basic things and, and let's start, start from there because we think this will help make the best witness. Um, so that, that's the second part. But what I really want you to see is how they started that sentence. It seemed good to us 
and to the Holy Spirit. Think about using the word seemed in a statement like this. Think about the humility that is represented in a statement that says, we're trying to figure this out, and as far as we can tell, it seems good to us in the Spirit. What an amazing word. Because here's, here's what happened. Number one, it didn't stop them from making action. It didn't stop them from moving forward. What it did stop was the potential of them saying, we have everything figured out, we know exactly what God is doing, and here is the law. Here's the new law. I know Jesus set us free from the law, but, you know, we like to make our own all the time. Super good at making laws. So here's what you're going to do. And that's not what they say. They almost, in this kind of language, they almost open the door and say, how does that feel? Does that feel like it's a workable agreement? Because this is, as far as our side, this is what we see. This is what seems right to us. If we take an approach of pursuing the Spirit, but hold on to the word seems, it opens the door so much to so much of the damage that the church has done when we say that we've got everything figured out. It also takes all the pressure off of you when we're doing things like, hey, what what might God be stirring you to do for these sending grants? Well, I'm thinking about it, and it it seems like this might be a, a cool idea. Great. That's as far as you can tell anyways. And so there's this beautiful element of saying, I don't have to have it figured out, but based on the biblical example, I can still move, even if it's just seeming. Even if it's just, I I, I don't have certainty here, but it seems like the Spirit's at work. Just, Just rest with that word, because there is such beauty in it when we lean into that. Okay? The results are no longer the point. The focus is no longer on us. It's back on, the emphasis is back on the Spirit. Pride isn't the thing that that plays the biggest role here, all right? Um, There is so much goodness in something like this. Uh, We were talking as a pastoral team, and one of them, uh, what came up was how uncomfortable we get if we pass a sign that says, revival this weekend at a church. Because how do you know? You know? Is it scripted? Because if it's scripted, you know, then it ought to be bottled up and sold. Oh, wait, it is all the time. Um, What I would prefer would be to see a sign beside a church building that says, hey, the Spirit seems like it's doing something cool. If you'd like to humbly explore that with us, come and pray on Saturday. I'm not joking, though. I know it's funny, but it's funny because it's just not a part of our faith tradition. we got to learn how to walk with both confidence and humility because that's what I see up there. I see, we can confidently walk forward because of God's grace. We don't have to get it right every time. So many, so much of life is, once I get this figured out, exactly how God's wired me, exactly what I'm supposed to do, then I will do it. Believe me, when we started Life Path 11 years ago, I was going to say for like the first five or six years, but I'm going to say for the first 11, um, I have been burdened with this like, God, I don't know how to do this. I just want to be faithful. And I'm okay if, if our community rises and falls and flops, whatever, as long as I feel like I'm being faithful to, to you, God. But I don't always know what that looks like. And I have a feeling some of you in your own lives might feel the same. Where there's some times where it's like, I, I, just, I really want to be faithful. I just don't know what the next step is supposed to be. I don't know how to use my gifts. I feel like it doesn't fit into the kingdom of God type of stuff that I hear churches talk about all the time. It does. You just might need some more discernment. 
and time, and you might need to take some steps that require faith and risk. But it's game-changing for movement and for mission if we learn to embrace the seams, um, to have eyes that look with both expectancy that God's working, but with humility that we don't have it all figured out. And we trust that God knows that we're the human side of the partnership. We trust that God knows that we're the human side of the partnership. And so, so there's beauty there. All right. Two practical ways to increase our awareness of the spirit at work. I said we, no formulas, but here's two tools that might help. Okay? Um, first one, thank you, Sabrina, uh, comes from this, uh, an idea that she calls a fingerprints journal. Okay? And that idea is that um, a way of charting what you're noticing and feeling and looking for themes. So essentially just journaling, where do you feel stirred? Where do you seem to be noticing God lately? And look back over the days and the weeks and say, what themes are emerging? And might God be using this as a Kairos moment for me to say, lean into this more. Do you see I'm doing something? It's very simple. But sometimes writing things down and writing them out, we've talked about journaling last week a bit, Writing them down, writing them out, it, doesn't have, it can be bullet points, it doesn't have to be flowery, it doesn't have to be, you know, publishing worthy, um, but, but there's an opportunity there to be able to look back and see if there's something that's coming out, themes that are emerging. And the second thing uh, is the opposite, and that is test it with the community of faith. Again, these are themes that are just emerging over and over again. But explore with trusted people what it seems to you. It seems to me and maybe to the Holy Spirit that I ought to be doing this. What do you guys think? Does that sound like me? Does it sound like the kingdom? Does it sound like the type of thing that God might be calling? And, and, we, and we discern through, um, through other trusted people. So, um, yeah. So, so those are some ideas. And like I said, there is no, there is no um, formula to figure it out. But there are processes that we follow. So I'm going to give one more um, very simple process. And then we're going to have some, a little time for uh, open sharing about maybe what ideas you might be thinking about, either just in where God might be stirring you or very specifically in what you may like to use your sending grant for. If this is your first time hearing about sending grants, we have $100 um, uh, delineated for each family um, and or individual that we have in our church to give to you just freely to be able to use in a way to create connection and compassion, connection or compassion in some new way. And so we have lists in the back with all these different ideas to get you going. Maybe you'll pick one of them. Maybe you have your own idea. You can buddy up with other people, anything like that, okay? Um, but, uh, but, but it's helping us to take some movement based on the awareness that we're learning. Um, all right, so what's this? Uh, oh, yeah, yes. So, so this journey of, of what the process often looks like based on it seems good to the spirit and us kind of thinking. So the first one, the first thing is just awareness. We learn to look expectantly for God, right? Like going out in the woods and looking for birds um, or hearing something and saying, ooh, what was that? That sounds kind of new. We just learn to walk through life expecting that God's kingdom is at hand. So we wake up and say, I trust that God wants to encourage and reveal himself to me somehow. I trust that God wants to speak and stir me today. And I'm going to have eyes to notice the holy moments that may come along. So the second is once you feel that, once you get a sense of that, that thing, I just can't stop thinking about it. Then we begin to explore it, right? To reflect on the moment. So first we begin to say, I actually trust that the spirit is still alive and active. 
Secondly, then, what, what do I do with this once I start to lean into one specific thought, one idea, one passion, one gift, whatever that looks like? The third thing, this is not rocket science, is decision time. What am I going to do about it? This is where we respond with, because it seems like blank, I'm going to blank. So, so we, we walk with humble confidence ahead into the future, knowing that we might fail fabulously, and that's okay. Um, and then, here's the cool part, and then the final phase is this confirmation idea. So once we make a move, then what we do is we say, do I see fruit within me and within my work? And or. Okay? So, so I, I made the choice to make a new step. Maybe you uh, invited some friends over to, um, I don't know, study a book. Or maybe you, uh, there's a neighbor that you just sense is really kind of drawn. You always seem to have deep conversations, and you, so you start walking together once a week. Or maybe um, you've started writing with our prison care team to, to people who are incarcerated. Um, or maybe, maybe it's something totally different. But you, what you start to say is, do I see fruit within me, and is there fruit coming from the actions that I'm taking? And if the answer is yes, so if the answer is yes, then what you do after you go through that cycle is great. So what's next? What new things within this is God doing? And you keep going through this cycle. This is not science. This is art, right? I'm making art right here. Like this is not, there's no agreed upon thing. This is just reflecting, doing our best with the spirit. I don't know if this is like the way. It's just a way. So this is what happens and, and we keep building on what God's been doing. Now if the answer is no, if we get to the end and say, do I see fruit within me and within my work? Not really, you know, feels a little bit like a dead end or it feels like this isn't bringing me the passion and joy that I think is what happens when I get really lined up with, with kind of my shape for the kingdom. Then what we do is we thank God for grace and for the opportunity to have loved and then we continue to explore again. And so it looks a little more maybe like, like this and we start looking again, right? And so... There's no, the stakes are low, the pressure's off, the tomb is empty, and your love and your, val and your value before God is secure. And so there's, there's beauty here. Um, yeah, so uh, everything like this, of course it involves our, our sending grants, but it goes way beyond that. You know, it, this is just about what might God be stirring you to do with your time and your life and your energy and your gifts, because God's made each one of us uniquely wired to be an agent of, of God's kingdom in new ways.